How in the world are the biggest problems that I face in life solved? I can't solve those problems. We talked last week about the big thing that many of us feel is almost too big for God, the thing that we may have given up hope over, the thing that we don't even dare pray about sometimes. And today I wanna to talk to you about how when we give everything we have to Jesus, then he can do great things in our lives. Then when we give great things or little things to Jesus, he can do great things through our lives, the kinds of things that he wants to get done. We are in uh, right in the middle of our series on the feeding of the 5,000. It's listed in all four gospels. It's a miracle of Jesus that Jesus did. The only other miracle listed in all four gospels is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's important. Um, one of the things that Jesus did that involved the most people, the largest number of people, it had the largest number of participants. Uh, most people, when Jesus did a miracle, people watched him do the miracle. Uh, in this particular case, as you know, they were able to eat the results of the miracle. So that was pretty cool. And there were probably 20 to 25,000 people here. Now we've talked over the last few weeks, just a little, I'm setting the, the background here or the theme, the plot of this story. Uh, but since it's in the Bible, Bible four different times because it's absolutely true. Um, I want us to talk about it again. One of Jesus' best friends had died. He'd been murdered. It was a plot of um, political treachery and uh, underhanded tactics. The word came to Jesus. John the Baptist had been beheaded and Jesus was grieving. He was tired from the ministry that he'd been involved in and needed to take a few minutes away. So he and his disciples, they traveled across a lake a sea, a big body of water, and uh, tried to find a place to hide out. But the crowds followed Jesus. Now the Bible tells us that, and you have to read all of the four different places in the New Testament where this miracle is talked about to gather all of the detail. But the Bible talks about the fact that when Jesus saw the crowd, he was moved with compassion. And so he decided to act. Now, Jesus and his disciples went out into the crowd, some 20 to 25,000 people, 5,000 men and maybe another 15 to 20,000 women and children and had performed miracles of healing. He talked with them and taught all day long. And at the end of the day, um, he looked out at this crowd, the same group of people, and he saw that they were hungry. Maybe some of you are hungry right now. I would say by the end of the time that we have our late service on Sunday morning, some of your stomachs start to rumble. Many of them had been there all day, maybe not expecting to be there all day and their stomachs were beginning to rumble. And so Jesus looked at them and decided he was going to feed them. So he looked at his disciples because God seems to always choose to use us to do the things that he wants to get done. A good point to remember is that we don't go throughout our lives looking for opportunities for God to work. We go throughout our lives looking for the opportunities that God wants to work in. We don't point out the things and say, God, you should do this. And if you don't, I'm going to be very disappointed with you. We walk throughout our lives saying, God, what is it you're up to today? And how can I be a part of that? So he looks at his disciples and he says to them, um, we're going to feed them. How are we going to give them something to eat? And he pinpoints one disciple in particular, Philip. And Philip being probably more of the administrative type the uh, accountant sort of personality, uh, the nuts and bolts kind of a guy. He looked at the crowd. He looked at Jesus. He evaluated his options, his resources that he had available to him. And he said, I can't do it. Now, those are three very, very good things for us to say to the Lord. 
The problems are real. The things we want you to do in our lives and our families, with our friendships and our career, through our church and through our world, they're big things. I can't do it. But Philip left it there, essentially saying it's impossible. So Jesus sent his disciples out into the crowd and said, you guys go see if you can solve this problem. Knowing that they couldn't, but wanting to see if they would try. So Andrew came back, Simon Peter's brother, and he had a little boy by the hand. And this little boy had a little lunch, a handful of stale crackers and a couple of sardines, which was the lunch of a poor boy, a common boy. Now, at this point in the story, my wife always likes to stop Joy. And Joy says, this boy had a great mom because she had packed his lunch. And apparently everyone else in the crowd either didn't have a lunch or a dinner or they weren't willing to share. But I think there's something far more significant with this little child than just having a great mom who packed his lunch and made sure he wasn't going to go hungry. Jesus looked at this little boy and this little lunch he might have gripped in his little hands. And he said, bring them to me. The Bible says that Jesus looked up into heaven. He gave thanks to God for the miracle he knew that God was going to do through him. That he handed these stale crackers and these sardines to these disciples and said, go feed the people. So off they went. The Bible tells us in John chapter six and the other three gospels that everyone in the entire crowd ate all that they could possibly eat. There is a, an indelicate, Im, unpolite term that's used here where the crowd is compared in their appetite to animals. And you ever fed a dog and um, they just get done eating because they've eaten so much that their bellies are full and they can't possibly stuff another thing in their mouth and so they turn around and walk away? Um, that's kind of the imagery, not calling the crowd dogs, but calling them full. And when the Bible says they were full, the Bible says they were really full, so full that they couldn't eat anymore. Jesus does at least three kinds of miracles throughout the New Testament. Jesus does miracles of healing, where he restores people's body parts, organs. In the case of Lazarus, even gave him his biological life back. Jesus did transformational miracles where he transformed one element into another, like the first miracle that he did in the book of John where he turned water into wine. The second miracle that Jesus did in the book of John involved a healing as did the third, the nobleman's son, the man at the pool by the pool of Bethesda. But this fourth miracle, this miracle that engaged and involved so many different people, so significant that it was written about four different times. 25,000 eyewitnesses ate until they were stuffed. And the disciples went out with their baskets and they collected the food that was left over. And how many do you think, how many baskets of food were left over? 12. A lot of people guess why there were 12 baskets left over. But I think at least the reason was that there were 12 disciples. And when Jesus does a miracle and when he takes care of people, nobody is left out. Each of the disciples had a basket and they were able to eat until they were full. Could you imagine eating fish that have never swam or swum? 
been swimming, fish that never had a mama, barley that had never grown in the ground, something created by the creator must have been the best lunch ever. And I think about this passage that we're pinpointing today, focusing on this little boy. John chapter six, verse eight and verse nine. John simply states, another of Jesus' disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he spoke up and he said, here I have a little boy with an unlikely five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? The point of what I wanna talk to you about now and the point of what you're going to hear throughout the morning is that a little bit put into the right hands becomes a lot. That when we give what we have in our lunchbox, even though if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we don't have a lot. When we give ourselves freely to the Lord, he can do great things. A little later in the morning, we'll talk a little about the disciples and their response and interaction. But right now I wanna focus on this little boy. How proud would you be if that was your son or if it had been a little girl, your daughter? to be there perhaps on the front row, faced with the decision, am I gonna give what I have or am I gonna keep it for myself? Am I gonna weigh the odds that I may be giving something away that I'll never get back, that I might go home hungry? Or am I just going to choose to trust? It's that word trust, faith, that we've been talking about for weeks. And faith is dependent on, only as good as, the one who we place our trust in. I was thinking about a passage in Matthew, in the book of Matthew chapter 19, where Jesus was really talking about marriage. He was talking to a group of people in a little house and he had their attention because the Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus once again. And while I talk to you about this, I've asked some of our volunteers, some of our kids from Kids Block uh, to come out and they're gonna pass out to you something that will get you in the spirit of this miracle. I can't create something from nothing. Uh, I can't take a few little crackers and some fish and turn them into enough to feed 25,000 or even the hundreds that we've had here this morning. But what we can do is we can pass out little individual packages of goldfish crackers that both represent the fish and the stale little barley crackers that this little boy had that day that Jesus took and blessed and turned into so much. So they're gonna pass out these crackers for you. You're welcome to eat them. We do not have bottles of water for you, so eat them at your own risk. Uh, We're gonna have a few more minutes left of the worship service but I hope this gets you into the spirit of what's happening today. The miracle that Jesus did affected every single person who was there. Everyone got something and they had more than they needed. Now, Jesus, when he was talking in Matthew 19, the Pharisees tried to trap him and they said to Jesus, when's it okay to divorce your wife? Now that right there 
gets anyone's attention today just like it did years ago. And so Jesus began a discourse with them, reminding them about what the Old Testament said. The Pharisees countered with another Old Testament principle. Um, Jesus talked about some New Testament principles. Then he switched to the subject almost entirely and began to talk about eunuchs, go figure. And then they needed a tension reliever. And so Jesus, being a great teacher, a master teacher, allowed an object lesson of childlike faith, of generous living, of an uncommon response to truth. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 19, verse 13 through 15, then Jesus brought little children, or the people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, get the kids away from me. No, he didn't say that at all. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them and prayed for them, he went on and finished teaching. There was something about the faith of a child that Jesus wanted everyone to see. There are only really three times in the New Testament where Jesus was so angry at his disciples that he responded in this much of an intense way. He said, do not hinder these little ones from coming to me because when these little ones give their little lives to me, I can do great things. Perhaps he was mad because Jesus loves babies and kids just like we do at Capital City Church. Perhaps he was upset because Jesus loves parents and parents need to be able to bring their babies and their kids to a place where they're loved and celebrated. Perhaps he was angry at the disciples because they were choosing who was important enough to see Jesus and who Jesus could use. But Jesus responded and said, kids can do great things. And you know what? Adults who have the faith of a child, who don't overthink, who don't always calculate, who don't always look at the return on investment. Adults who have childlike faith can do great things too. My son, Richard and Eden, they have a new baby. My grandbaby, Emery, I talk about Emery a lot. Sorry, not sorry. She's my favorite little person in the entire world. If you have a little person, yours is second. Emery's first for me. And they called us at four o'clock in the morning on Thursday of last week. We got a call at four o'clock in the morning. They called their mama. Joy answered it on speaker. It was my son, Richard. And he says, what are you guys doing? And I said, oh, glad you asked, son. We just came back from the club. We caught an Uber because your mom's had a little too much. Um, she was crazy. And, you know, I'm glad you were checking on us. We're back safely. I said, we were sleeping. What do you think? We've been sleeping since 11 o'clock. That's what people do when they're grown up. And um, I said, what's going on? He said, Emery's sick. Now that got our attention. Joyce finding the car keys. She's ready to jump in, head to Arkansas, not even knowing what the situation was. And what's wrong with her son? 104 fever. Now Emery's fine. She was a little kid, little baby with a baby fever, right? It scares you to death, especially when it's your first time. And so Joy, you know, talked about what, what they should do and, you know, warm bath and make sure the temperature's right to lower the fever and alternate the Tylenol and the Motrin every three hours. Moms know this stuff. You guys have been through it. Joy was Googling it while she was talking to make sure she told them the right stuff. Next day, Emery's fine. Little babies, they bounce back. But I asked Richard how he was doing. And he said, well, I haven't slept in two nights. I'm like, oh, welcome to parenthood, son. So how are you doing? And he goes, it really bothered me. Now, this is the point here. 
Richard said, it really bothered me. And I said, why? And he said, because my daughter looked at me and wanted me to make it better. And for the first time, she realized that daddy couldn't do it. And even though my son's a good dad, and even though he would die for his daughter, we earthly fathers, there are things we can't do for our kids. But yet they still have childlike faith in us. But you and I serve a heavenly father who can do anything, who never disappoints. And when we trust him with a little, when we give him what's in our lunchbox, he can do a lot. Father, as we go into this time this morning, teach us this principle in many ways. Allow us to personalize it, to apply it, and to live differently. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Mark, what are we doing here this morning? We're going to do a little experiment, Brandon. An experiment, okay. This looks pretty official. Um, Now, you know me, right? Like, you you know I'm not real good with (laughs) details. And uh, and one of these kids up here would probably be more qualified than I am to do this. Yeah, probably, but... We got you up here. You fit the coat. Okay. Oh, that's so, true. That's yeah. true. So, it does fit. We'll walk you through. All right. All right. So this, is this safe? We've got safety, safety things here, safety yeah, gloves. Yeah, we and, do. We do. Let's, we should probably put on our safety. Okay. We're going to get our here. safety stuff on put here. Put on our gloves. All righty. So we don't have a lot of products here, though. So this isn't anything we should be worried about, right? It's not going to do, do much of anything, is it? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. We'll see. All right, we're going to see. It's an experiment, right? We're going to find out how it turns out. I can't get my glove on. All righty. There we go. So you're going to help me with all of this, right? Yes. Okay. I'm going to help you. So just follow along. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm going to follow along. My glasses on. You've got your glasses on. I'm going to use these glasses. And most people are far enough away. Yeah. Did we We get... Should be good? Do you guys all signed waivers here, especially these first couple rows, right? You signed... All right. We're good to go. I saw some thumbs up. Yep. We're good. Waivers are signed. Yep. Plastic is down. Glasses and coats, gloves. Yep. And we're good. We're good. So what's our A first step here? Scientific looking flasks. Yeah. So what's our first step here? First step is to take that flask. This flask. Okay. It's kind of a bluish liquid. What do we yep. have going on here? That is a... Can I swallow uh, it? Yes, you can. Okay. I think. Yep. We'll see what happens. All right. And some bubbles maybe? Yeah. It's got some peroxide in it. Some peroxide. So okay. if you have any left over, you can put it in your hair. Okay. <laughs> I don't need I to think. bleach my hair. No, we're good. <laughs> okay. Um, you're going to pour that in there. We're going to pour this peroxide yep. into here. All right. So I've had a lot of coffee this morning, so I'm a little bit shaky. Are you sh- okay. You're sure we don't want to bring anybody else up here right, right. now? Right. No, they should probably stay back. Okay. They're okay to stay there. Okay. I'll- so I'm going to pour this into here. Here we go. We're almost... Oh, I forgot to tell you. Have we... Have you heard about what our church is doing here during Pastor Rick's series? We're doing what's called 10 for 10. 10 for 10. 10 for 10. Yeah, we're giving out... Or we're, we're <laughs> asking that you can join in in applying his messages uh, with this dollar amount of doing $10 a week for 10 weeks as a fun way to apply giving a little bit uh, and seeing what God can do through a lot for that. You're a scientist, right? You like numbers, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. So here's a number for you. Ready? Okay. 5,155,178,000. Okay. What do you think about that? Okay. That number, um, what you know is, what that is? No, I don't. What is that? It's a really, really hard way to remember a phone number. 
That yes. is 515-517-8842. It's very difficult to memorize, especially when you're up here and these lights are shining right, at, right. at you. But if you can text GIVE to that number and you can be able to give that $10 each week for 10 weeks just through that, that way of giving, it's super, super easy. You can also use cash and you can also do a check, um, but it doesn't react well with these chemicals right, here. So yeah. I'm going to go ahead and just okay. do a digital yeah. later on if that's okay. 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 So, so I'm we, sorry. I'm getting very yeah. distracted. I thought we were doing an experiment. Experiment. Yes. Everyone is waiting. <laughs> we're yeah. going to do an experiment. Concentrate. Concentrate. Here we go. We're going to concentrate. Yeah. Get it in there. We're going to get it. Whoa. Okay. That was a little scary. Here we go. <laughs> Should be safe. It's not reacting, right? No, it shouldn't. It, should, yeah, it shouldn't. No, we should be all right. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. All right. Yes. So we're good. Okay. Everything's in there. All right. What's next? Step two is to add this. Add this solution. Okay. Add this solution to that. All right. And so then, we're going to add this. Wait. Step three is then step back. Uh, step back. Step back. Okay. Okay. You're making me nervous. Okay. No, it'll be all right. nervous. Okay. If you remember so, that step. So we're going to add this solution, but then we have to step back. Step back. This doesn't seem like very much, though. No, it's not. No, this is uh, going to show us that uh, small things in the right hands can become big things. Okay, right? so you think these are the right hands for, for today? <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll All right, they'll, all right. They'll, so they'll small do. things can become big things in the right hands. All right, yep. so here we go. And then step back, right? Yep, Okay, step back. so here we go. Yep. Yep. All right, we're coming right. in. Put and in there. Well, Wait, have I told you? Are you nervous? No, oh, I'm very nervous. But, okay. But I also want to make sure that I tell you that our church is doing a City Connect lunch. City Connect. One month from today, okay. on March 26th. It's going to be yep. right out there in the cafe. And right out there. this is not for you. It's for someone who... I want to connect. Maybe it's their first time. Maybe it's their first time being here. Maybe they want to become a member here at our church. And this would be a great way to get to know some of the, the pastors and the staff. This is a great way to, to get a lunch. This is a great way we do like a tour. Lunch. Yeah, still not for you though, <laughs> okay. sorry. You could do, we do a tour of the building. You get to hear why we do what we do. It's a great first step in becoming a member here at Capital City Church. And so Sounds good. Um, I want to invite, not you, not but me. I want to invite these guys to come to that. All there right. won't be any experiments, but that is your first step in being qualified to come up here and take my place because I'm sure you're better at this than I am, okay? So okay. we've got a City Connect launch. I am distracted again. Yes, you are. We got City Connect. We got 10 for 10. 10, for 10. Anything else? Little things being big. Little things. And stepping little stepping things. back. Little things. Stepping back. Big, yes. How far, how far back should we step? Um, I don't know. Okay. We'll All right. find out. We'll find out. All right. Yeah. So All right. Pour it we in have there. the solution. We're pouring it into some peroxide. We're going to stop shaking. Here we go. All right. Run. All right, little. Oh, step there back. There it goes. Step back. There it goes. Hey. All right. That, is amazing. that was cool. Thank you so much for showing me how to do it. This reminds me of something Pastor Rick's been talking about. And when Jesus used something that was little to be able to end up feeding this thousands of people group. Um, and it's also yeah. something, it's such a great reminder for us that uh, little things in God's hands can end up becoming big things. <laughs> All right. So as you know, we have been involved in a project, uh, a workshop, an experiment called 10 for 10. And you probably figured out by now, but it all kind of works together to illustrate the principle that God can do a lot, even if we don't have very much. Or I would say God can do a lot, especially if we don't have very much. 
And for those of us who are honest with ourselves, um, we realize that we really, when we compare ourselves to Jesus, we don't have a whole lot to offer, but yet all we have to do is give him ourselves. I'm here with my friends, Sean and Heather Sinarigi. And Sean and Heather, you guys have been involved in a special part of this experiment, a special assignment, as well as a handful of other of uh, our friends from church, where I gave them $10 that came from somebody in the church, we have no idea, who's given to the Lord through the church, and asked them to go on a mission. Now, we gave it to them a couple days early, and we asked them to go on a mission on Monday and Tuesday of this last week to try to invest that $10, which isn't very much, just a, a little amount of money, a small amount of money, into something that Jesus may lead them to or something that, that he cares about. And it's just another way for us to, to recognize the fact that even if we don't have a lot, a lot put in the right hands can become really great things. And we had a number of different people who we challenged to do this. You guys may not know this, but um, now you have a, a high school daughter and two boys that are not too far out of high school. One of our high school students, his name's Caleb, um, we challenged him to do this, and he works at Applebee's. And he didn't want to come up here and, and be interviewed. You guys are very brave, by the way. Thank you. Um, I know it's not easy, but they are friendly, right? They're, they really are. They, they're happy you're up here. Um, but Caleb works at Applebee's and, and took this very seriously and um, decided that as a server that he was going to pay for somebody's uh, dinner and um, not even really tell them until it was over. And so when they gave him the bill and gave him, or he gave him the bill, they gave him a credit card. Um, then Caleb went back and ran his own credit card uh, to uh, pay for the, the dinner and then was going to go back and let him know, you know, what he had done. And uh, the thing is, it wasn't $10, it was 46 bucks. Who can eat at Applebee's for $10, right? You can't do that. Uh, at least I don't think you can. I haven't been successful in doing that. And I'm like, man, Caleb, how long did it take you to make $46? This was a huge investment. Um, many of us would consider 46 bucks, but a high school kid, especially who works hard for their money. And, um, you know, Caleb just talked to, to Pastor Brandon just about the fact that he wanted to do something that he felt Jesus would do and wanted to make a difference in somebody's life, even though he didn't really know these people. And, um, and so, you know, of course, we wanted to know what happened. And he said at the end of the meal, uh, they were really grateful when he said, I ran my credit card instead of yours. And, you know, he tried to bless them. They left him a $10 tip. Now, he felt like God was giving him the 10 bucks back. They might should have given him a $46 tip. I don't know. I don't know who the people were. But the principle was that this guy, this kid, a high school boy, a young man, was taking this so seriously that he set out on his day to make an investment. Now, all of us don't find things to do um, with the $10, but it does change the way we think about the world around us, right? Heather, what were your experiences with um, when I asked you to, to do this? Well... I had a couple different feelings. I started out very excited. I was excited to see how God was gonna use me. And then I was scared. And then I was nervous. And I think I was most scared to know if I would realize that that was the opportunity um, or that I was gonna miss it. Yeah. And so what did you do, Sean, to make sure that you didn't miss anything? Because that's a big, that's one of my fears is that I'm too focused on myself and don't see what God may be doing. So I, I made a point to pray every morning and every night and to allow my eyes to be open to the possibility. Yeah. And uh, I guess at first I thought it wasn't going to be a big deal at all. But then if, if you're really looking and looking for someone who needs help, it's... Uh, 
the opportunity is not always there, that's for right. sure. Yeah. So was it hard to figure out which ones weren't the right opportunities to engage in? Did you ever run into anything, either one of you guys, that you were like, eh, I don't know? That so I had a situation after I left here on Sunday. I was driving to the airport to pick up my mom and stepdad, and it had been on my mind. And I saw somebody, and... Um, he had a sign that said, God bless you. And he was standing on the, the corner of an intersection. And I didn't stop. And I, it, it's, I can't stop thinking about it. But um, I, I didn't know. I didn't know if that was the opportunity, if I was overthinking it. I call him. I tell him, I just saw somebody. And I don't know if I was supposed to give him my $10. His sign said, God bless you. <laughs> but it wasn't a sign from God, right? It was just a sign. <laughs> Who knows? Right. You don't ever know, do you? You, have you don't. You. Yeah. And, and that's where, that's what had me worried. Well, the reason I ask you guys to come up here is because it's not about us telling God what he's going to do, right? It's about us figuring out what he wants to do and being willing to be a part of it. And sometimes we see these things and sometimes maybe there's nothing, you know, that we actually need to engage in or be involved in. But the point is, is that we have to be willing, that we have to make what we have available to the Lord, which in your case was a $10 bill, but yet an attention toward other people in the awareness and realization that God is up to things all the time. And that when we give him a little bit, that he can do a lot. And so we don't tell him what he's going to do. We ask him what he wants to do and we try to be a part of it. I love the fact that in both instances, it illustrates that little things given to God can do really big things. What it does in us as people developing uncommon faith and a generous life is every bit as important as what God chooses to do outside to other people. I want you to watch a video of a friend of ours, Carrie Olson, um, who had a little different experience, and she's going to share that experience with you, and I think it's going to challenge and encourage you. Good morning, Capital City Church. My name is Carrie Olson, and I was invited to participate in an opportunity to invest $10 into a person, situation, or opportunity. And of course, right away, I was excited and said that I would do it because I know firsthand that God can do big things if we're willing to invest, even if it's as little as $10. But I'll have to admit, Sunday, once the money was in my hands, the excitement turned to anxiousness. What am I going to do with this money? What am I supposed to do with this money? How does God want me to invest this money? And so as we left church, of course, my eyes were open. I was waiting for a person to come into my path and more thinking about it and not praying about it. And so I watched people at the restaurant that we went to after church is it uh, going to be a person that can't pay their bill? Do I need to tip my waiter extra money? And nothing was really jumping out at me because I really didn't have time or take the time to pray yet. And so as Sunday night, you know, came to an end, I said a quick prayer as I hit the pillow. And um, again, I didn't really have any clarity on what I needed to do. And I was growing more nervous or anxious that I wasn't going to have an opportunity because I work from home, so I don't have much interaction with the public. And so Sunday was my day, and so I was kind of starting to panic. But Monday night, I took intentional time to pray about the situation, and I prayed for probably 30 minutes. 
And it came to me clear as day that God wanted me to invest this money into a parent or a guardian that um, was buying baby formula. And I thought, was this me or is this you, God? But as I prayed, God gave me confirmation and I just knew that this was this is what he wanted me to do. So my prayer changed from what do you want me to do to Lord, send the right person. And so I wrote a note and I put the $10 in the formula um, just under the lid. And on the note, I wrote um, what God wanted me to convey. So as I was praying, God was kind of just playing this out for me and I just knew what the letter needed to say, and it was that God loves you, God sees you, and God cares for you. So since I planted the seed, if you will, I've been in constant prayer that God is going to send the right person. Maybe it's somebody that's looking for a sign if God's real. Maybe it's someone that's struggling. And the the really awesome thing about this is that even though this seems may seem insignificant. I left a note and I left $10, but it could potentially impact that person's life and the baby's life that they're buying that formula for that could affect generations to come. So even though it may be a small thing, it could be a big thing in the end if that person gives their heart to Christ and then raises their child to love Christ and know him. And so I'm excited. This has really um, reminded me that we need to be God's hands and feet extended here on earth. He's, he doesn't expect us to be um, well-educated or well-spoken. We just have to be willing and he will do the rest. So I would encourage you to look for opportunities to um, let God use you because it's been really um, a joyous thing for me. And um, I'm excited for that person that's going to receive that gift from God. You've heard it over and over in different ways that a little given to the right person can do a lot. That when we offer Jesus everything we have, even though it's not enough to accomplish much on its own, he can do great things. It's the way the biggest problems in our lives and in our world are solved. It's the basis for the way that Jesus chooses to do miracles. So what's in your lunchbox? Have you been holding anything back from the Lord? Have you been calculating your return on investment? Have you been hedging your bets? Have you been trying to decide how in you actually want to be? For some, it may be your past. It could be lies that you believe about yourself or that somebody else has told you and you've never really given those to the Lord. Maybe it's past failures and you've decided that failure is really a person and not just a one-time event. Maybe it's a success from the past and you hang on to it, deluding ourselves into thinking that we're still following the Lord when in reality it was a distant event or memory. Maybe there's something in your present that you haven't actually given to Jesus and your lunchbox is still, it's still full with your own walk with him. Have you withheld from him your heart, 
your time, your money, your thoughts, and your closest relationships, these concentric circles that we've talked about for so many weeks. In your marriage, are you withholding something from your spouse that would help them walk with God, that would contribute to a miracle in their life? With your kids, you as a parent or as a grandparent, are you holding back or are you fully engaged? We've talked about friendships. We've talked about our workplace, our vocation, and how God, when we give him all of it, can do amazing things. We can't see what those things are. And oftentimes we don't know what those things are, but that's God's business, not ours. An available person willing to offer a little to somebody who can do anything, a trusting, loving, perfect father, trustworthy in every way. That's the only reasonable thing to do. And finally, I think we have to give him our passions because passion intersects with purpose. And God's made you passionate about something that he cares about. What is it that gets you going in the best possible way? What stirs you up? What do you see that you can't unsee? What is it that God may be doing in you, preparing you for what he wants to do through you? so that you can be involved in something so much bigger than we're capable of alone. The reason that you were created in the first place. And the best possible thing about this is it doesn't just happen to you as an individual, it happens to us together and can happen as a church. As we offer God everything we have, saying there are huge problems and opportunities all over our community and our world. We're available and we trust you because you're trustworthy. So as we leave today, I want to ask you, is there anything left in your lunchbox? Are you going to follow along in the footsteps of a child who had uncommon faith and chose to live a generous life by giving a little to Jesus and letting Jesus do something we're still talking about hundreds and hundreds of years later. Father, as we close the time we've spent today, I pray that this message has found a home in each of my friends' hearts who are in this room and who are watching online. I can't pinpoint this truth because we are all different. We have different experiences, different challenges. Some may be more fishy and a little less crackery and some more crackery and a little less fishy. We all have different skills, different abilities, different paths, different fears, different weaknesses, different hopes and dreams. You've made us different, but you've made us on purpose. There's no person in here who's an accident. No one who's going to hear this message unnecessary, irrelevant. that all we have to do is give ourselves to you as best we can without holding anything back and connect with the things that you've wanted to do in the first place. So I pray that today as we turn the corner, head into a new week, a new opportunity, a new chance through your strength and your power every single day opening our lunchbox and giving ourselves to you and being used in the things you care about.
as we sing this last song to you, Father, we do it because we love you and we want to tell you. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me, please. Let's sing this.